0: We're going to put up another slide, which is the cover of this little booklet that Adam mentioned in our um, announcements, which is the growth group booklet that goes alongside the seven sermons that you will be hearing in this series, as we just heard, leading right up into Easter. And, And I want to stress something that Adam mentioned, and that is that this series, friends, is particularly good to invite friends to. Friends that don't know God, like maybe you know God as your Saviour. That through Christ, we are forgiven. And that one day, Christ is going to come back. Because what we're going to be looking at in this seven-part series are the miracles that John records in his Gospel. And a Gospel is an account of Jesus' life. And the the, um, Apostle John, he wrote... These seven miracles, these seven signs, giving reason for believing. So let me encourage you, if you have family members or friends, whether that's at work or your neighbours, and they wonder about Christianity, invite them to this series. We'll be preaching the same message in the morning and the evening, so if the morning doesn't suit them, maybe you can invite them to come along in the evening. I want to read from page one in our booklet that says something about this man John who wrote and why he wrote. So, have a look at the screen. It comes out of our little booklet, page one, and we read, In the Gospel of John, Jesus performs seven significant miracles that John refers to as signs. Each sign is meant to direct us to something important about the identity of Jesus and to give us a reason to believe in him. Whether you're a Christian or not, we invite you to join us as we marvel at the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And we hope and pray, give all of us a reason to believe. And here are the seven messages that we'll be going through. So the first one is from John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. And here John records the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine. So I'm going to read that for us. I'm reading from John chapter 2, verse 1. And we read, On the, fir- on the third day a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realise where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Now let's be honest. This is a strange way to introduce Jesus as the promised saviour of the world, isn't it? But it is the first of seven signs that John records in his account of Jesus' life. And these seven signs point us to the truth that Jesus is the Saviour, who has been sent by God as foretold in the Old Testament. As we all know, a sign points us in direction. Hey, you know what that sign means without even being told. It's an emergency exit sign. And, of course, this is another sign and it's just self-explanatory. So, this first recorded sign, the water being turned into wine, it points to a truly momentous event that happened in human history. Friends, this just wasn't a, a story told. This was something that happened and had witnesses that were there present. This sign, the water being turned into wine, revealed the glory of Jesus as the Son of God and that he is the promised Messiah, the Saviour of the world. And we need to understand the context of where this happened. This is about right, 30 AD and we're all there. Let's, Let's imagine we're all there. We're at a Jewish wedding. And weddings were big deals in those days. Weddings are big deals today, but weddings back then were very different to the weddings that you and I go to here in the Western world. Their weddings were major social events. They were elaborate, they were expensive, and very often they would last for up to a week. Can you imagine that? A week's wedding. Hospitality was vital to a family's Social standing in the first century. And to run out of wine at an event like that would bring great public shame upon a family. So, Jesus' mother Mary is at the wedding, as is Jesus and and the disciples. And it's it's presumed that that Mary was somehow connected to the family, it might have been a, a relative. And she goes to her eldest son Jesus to solve the problem of them running out of wine, which reveals this first sign that's recorded of Jesus' divinity. And the interaction between Jesus and his mother seems to us a little bit weird. So we need to know what's going on here if we are to understand the amazing significance of this sign. Because imagine if you were at a wedding and this happened, you wouldn't just scratch your head and say, oh, that was cool. So here we are. And Mary says to Jesus simply, they have no more wine. To which Jesus seems to reply rather harshly, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. Now what's going on here? The word hour, I've underlined it, is very significant in John's writing. It refers to Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. little further on in his account of Jesus' life in chapter 12, verse 23, Jesus declares that his hour has come. And it's just before he goes to the cross. Nevertheless, we're at this wedding and Jesus' mum has said to Jesus, there is no more wine. And then she goes to the wedding attendants and she says, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. And then what happens next? Displayed profound spiritual truths about Jesus' true identity, about his mission and about his purpose. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Now, by performing this miracle, we're going to see that this has huge spiritual and theological significance. This was demonstrated to the world. And the world were being, it was revealed to them that the old order was passing away and that All things were about to become new through Jesus. And we've got to remember that this first sign of Jesus' divinity is happening at a Jewish wedding. It's very significant that this is at a wedding. Their faith system, of course, back then, was the old covenant Judaism, with all of their religious practices. And Jesus created wine from water using that water in the six jars that John tells us were used for ceremonial washing. So look at the screen again, and let me just highlight this. Six stone water jars used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. Now, ceremonial washing was an Old Testament practice symbolising purification and cleansing. And now Jesus is declaring by this miracle that Old Testament symbols and practices were pointers to a time when true purifying and true cleansing would be available for all people. Now, what is meant by this? Now, in the Old Testament, God's people were required to purify themselves through ritualistic washing and adherence to certain practices, symbolising their repentance of sin. Through this miracle, Jesus is declaring here the dawning of a new age. The Messianic age is here. He's declaring that salvation has come, that rituals of purification are no longer needed. Jesus was showing through this miracle true purification and true cleansing and true forgiveness of sin is going to be found in him. Now what's interesting is in the Old Testament, wine, now those of us that wrestle with wine being okay, we we have a bit of dissonance here. But wine in the Old Testament, particularly fine wine, is connected to the work of the Messiah. I want to show you one passage. This is from Isaiah chapter 25. The Old Testament prophet is is saying and it's recorded, "On this mountain the Lord Almighty will will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheets That covers all nation. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Now, this is Old Testament history. And those of us who understand the New Testament, we're sort of thinking, hey, yeah, we use some of this language in the New Testament. So let's make sure that we see the relationship between the Old Testament reference to wine, which is superb wine and plentiful wine, and John's account of Jesus' first miracle at a wedding feast. When Jesus turned the water into wine at this wedding... The wine was both plentiful and superb. And our text in John 2 makes it clear that both these factors were messianic factors. The wine was abundant. In John 2 verse 6, nearby stood six stone jars, water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. We've read that now three times. You know, a commentator tells us that that's over 600 litres of wine. 5,000 glasses of wine. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some of that water and bring it to the master of the banquet. Friends, to understand the amazing significance of this first sign that Jesus is the saviour of the world, we must see it through the Old Testament promise of a Messiah bringing in the new kingdom, the kingdom of God. Think of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So can you begin to see what is being revealed here? Do you see the glory of Jesus that is, that is being exposed? With this sign, Jesus was declaring that he is the Messiah and that he has come to establish a new order. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But, what if you don't see what's being revealed here by Jesus? What if you're still sceptical, just not sure? Well, to that I say place yourself in this very room where the water that came from those stone jars now tasted like premium Chardonnay. Serious, you were there. Imagine you were there. You can't deny that you are now drinking wine. It's not water, it's wine. And because you're a guest at the wedding, you were known to the host You're part of a community, you are a Jew, you are familiar with the Old Testament and the prophecies told about the coming Messiah. You would have been familiar with passages like we just read from Isaiah 25 and you would know other passages like in Amos. Now you might be sceptical of all those passages. And maybe like many of the other guests that are at the wedding, you know, you've been waiting and you've been wondering if these promises about a Messiah coming would ever come true. But blow me down. You are now here at the wedding and you see and you taste and you experience Jesus' miracle of turning water into wine. Seriously, would you not have to conclude that there is truth to what you see and taste and hear? Would you not come to the conclusion like the disciples did that this first sign through which he revealed his glory led them to believe? This sign, friends, this event that John records of Jesus turning the water into wine is seeped in Old Testament truth. This, this sign calls us to see the glory of our Saviour. This event calls us to response. To merely say, wow, that was cool, is not enough. If this happened and you were there to, witnesses, to witness it, if you were there to see it happen and taste, it would change your life forever. No one could refer to Jesus as just another religious teacher, as a rabbi, From that moment on, if you were there and you tasted that wine, you would conclude, like the Apostle Paul did, which resulted in him writing these words in 2 Corinthians 5, in Christ the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. This is why John records this miracle. Anthony Salvaggio, very gifted communicator, he says, and I quote, When Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding at Canaan, he was broadcasting to the watching world that he possessed the power to bring about such radical change. He performed his first sign to demonstrate that the old things were passing away and all things were about to become new in him. Let me give you a personal illustration. I've been trying so hard to think of something better, but this is true, so here you go. When I was 18... I went through a period of doubt in my life. I, I, I was faithfully going to church and involved in youth ministry, but I went through a period of doubt. And I shared this doubt with one of the ministers in my home state in Tassie. It was, it was Reverend Vanderbom. Some of you remember, you old people that come from Tassie you remember John Vanderbom. And I'll never forget the life-defining discussion that resulted for me. Vanderbom asked me, He says, do you believe that the Bible is true? And I said, well, yes, I think so. And then Vanderbilt said something like this. He said, well then, grip it. Believe it wholeheartedly. He said, imagine your life is a boat. You live your life in a boat, floating on the waves of life. And in your boat are all of your values, all those things that you believe, all the things that you consider are important. And as the storms in your life come and go, you will sometimes think that your boat will capsize, that you'll drown. And Van says, at those times you have to toss overboard those things that are merely baggage and unimportant in your life like trust in your toys and your possessions, or thinking that popularity is so important, that the world's approval is important. Because they're not, John. You have a new life in Christ. That's what's eternally significant. The truth that God's Spirit lives in you, and I still see him pointing his finger at my chest, the truth that God's spirit lives in you and will help you live a new victorious life. Jesus promised that. And also Vanderbom said, Jesus, your sin is forgiven. Your guilt is taken away. And I remember hearing that. And I left there knowing I was a forgiven sinner safe in the eternal security of my creator God because Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead for my sin. And then I gripped my faith and I've begun to live my faith. Perfectly? No way. So, do you see what is being revealed here, friends? In this miracle where Jesus turned water into wine, Do you see the glory of Jesus? Have you tasted the wine? Are you living the new life that we have in Christ? You know, a little earlier on in his account of Jesus' life, John writes this. He says, so the word, and that's another word he uses referring to Jesus, so the word, capital W there, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So in changing the water into wine, Jesus is showing us that he can make all things new, including you, including me. Jesus is offering salvation and forgiveness to all who will believe in him. And you know what is so cool about that? The guilt that keeps us down is dissolved. It's dissolved. That's what impacted me when I left Vanderbilt. Because I was just wrestling with false guilt. Am I a guilty sinner? Yes I am and I acknowledge that. But the Guilt that keeps me down from living this new life is dissolved because of Christ. Because He turns the old into new. And Jesus is bringing to reality forgiveness of sin and new life. Friends, Jesus went to the cross to secure our forgiveness and to secure our new life. Friends, have you tasted the wine? You know, it is fitting that Jesus' first miracle, his first sign that John records, all happened at a wedding. Marriage is a beautiful analogy of our covenant relationship with Jesus. We know that the Bible teaches that he is the bridegroom and we, the church, are his bride. And John picks this analogy up again in another book that he's written in the Bible. And that's the last book in the Bible, Revelation. And in Revelation 19, he talks about another glorious wedding feast at which Jesus will be present, which will be coming. And at this wedding to come, he, Jesus, will be the host rather than just a guest. It will be his wedding. And those invited will be truly blessed. And John writes it like this in Revelation 19 verse 9. He said, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And at this wedding, which will occur when when Jesus returns, Jesus will once again drink the fruit of the vine with his people as he promised his disciples during the Lord's Supper. Remember last week Adam mentioned that when we had Lord's Supper. In Mark 14, Jesus says to his disciples that were were there with him in in, in the upper room, he says, truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Friends, and that day is coming and that day is being prepared and then all things will be made new and all things will be made right and all things will be made perfect. Do you believe that? Have you tasted the new wine? Towards the end of his gospel, John tells us his purpose in recording the seven signs that reveal Jesus' divinity. Have a look at the screen. John 20 verse 30-31 Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name. Friends, do you have reason to believe? Absolutely. Jesus takes old and makes new. And he calls us to believe in him and he gives us salvation. He gives us new life. And in this first miracle, we see Jesus' divinity being revealed. So if you're convicted of this, I challenge you to invite some of your friends who aren't convicted about this to come along to the rest of the sermon series so that they too can hear reasons to believe and for why it's recorded in God's word for us to share with others. So let me pray for us. Let me pray, God, that that all of us would just come closer to you as we have been reminded that you, Jesus, are the Son of God, perfect, who gave your life for our imperfect life for us, Lord, who in you are new creations. We have your spirit living in us to help us live in a broken world, waiting for the day when you will return and there will be this huge wedding feast that you invite us to, where everything that is not right will be made right. So God, we say to you, to you goes all the glory. We thank you for your love, your grace. We thank you for the understanding that we can have and the life that we can live in Christ. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, church.